Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word that brings light. Thank you, that you for your word that directs us, Lord. We have, we have only you, Lord, that we can look to. Not man, not the opinion of man, but we ask this morning that you open our eyes to see. Open the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our understanding to see who you are. Thank you, Lord. We know so little, but we know you, Father. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll be the one that inspires and breathes upon us, Lord, to have life in abundance. Without you, Lord, we have nothing. Without you, Lord, we can just go on playing church, but it will do nothing, Lord. But, Lord, transform us, renew our minds through your word this morning. But especially, Lord, we acknowledge that we're standing on a holy ground. We just bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I brought a renter crowd with this morning, and I told them, just laugh at the jokes, okay? Even if... Even if you've heard it ten times, just laugh, you know. But, but um, so, so. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, but the 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 key is whenever I touch my ear, that means you have to laugh. That's what I told them. Okay, so if you wanna if you wanna do that, but um, but some there's one of our oldest videos just waved there at the back. He's coming to join us, and Yopi, our youth pastor, and Video, one of our student pastors, and. So just a lot of other, the, our service here, we have like an internship, all of them are here this morning, and they're going to do a dance at the end, just a freedom, <laughs> deliverance dance, you know, just, um, they've been warned, they have not been warned before the time. Okay, uh, I think, let's just jump into it, you know, the Word of God changes our lives, and we, we you know, part of my story is when I was at school in grade 10. I grew up in a very religious environment, and I used to stutter, so I couldn't speak properly. And uh, then on the 4th of April, 1989, I walked into a teacher's room, and I said to him, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. I want to know that real Jesus. Um, and then he changed my life. Uh, Jesus, not the teacher. Um, I was very clueless. Uh, two weeks after that, we had an experience in a little classroom where we worshiped the Lord together. I've never heard of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, although you read through it many times. And then uh, it was exactly two weeks after that, uh, a wind came through the roof like in the book of Acts, and 16 of us got filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, which was an amazing experience. There was no there was no windows, there was, no, there was one door and it was closed. Um, and from that day onwards, I've realized like, wow, it's the, the kingdom of God is real. It's, it's life in abundance. We had a revival at the school. It was in Paul Boisai. And 270 guys got saved um, within the first two weeks. Uh, we did some radical things, you know, tackle, got the rugby ball when everybody played touches. And then we would just preach the gospel and people got saved. And then suddenly persecution came. You know, some teachers didn't like what we were doing. Um, and we were almost expelled out of the school because of what, what um, God has done. Uh, but still, um, today, some of them are the be my best friends. Uh, and, it's, and it's so crazy to see so many years later, uh, God is still faithful. God is still faithful. Um, <clears throat> I felt the scripture on my heart to share. I've got about 34 slides so I heard that you have church till three o'clock. So, um, but I want us, I want us to really think. You know, in in this time that we're living, we are also busy. 
we all, if you go to every person, <clears throat> take a moment out and say, hey, what, what, what's happening in your life? And say, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm struggling to focus, or I need to study, or this or that. There's so many stuff. Um, but <clears throat> in, in this first scripture, I'm going read to it, read it to us. It's one of the most profound moments when John the Baptist comes to Jesus, or Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold! Now, it's an exclamation mark, so we should actually read it differently. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That, that's how he said it, okay? This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. You know, you know what, what a statement to make. What a... What a Thing, behold, what, what does it mean to behold? It, it means to, to look intently, not to look in the natural. So John saw something that was, was so amazing. Yeah, all the crowds were coming out to him, and he says, look. Don't, don't look to me. Look. Behold. Look intently. But when you look at this man coming to you, he's going to reflect something. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, say the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Sure. You know, if, if we use that word sin these days, then a lot of people like, you know, sin, the devil and the world wants to redefine sin, but sin is sin. Jesus didn't come to fix our lives and to make us better people. A lot of us think, and I, I used to think like that, just going to church. Well, if, if I go to church, then I'm a better person. I'm just, I'm, if I'm just good and better than the neighbor, neighbor on my other side, you know, then, then, then that qualifies. But, but Jesus even said there's no one that's good. Goodness doesn't make you a great person because we're all sinners. We are all utterly, utterly dependent on God. And so the issue of sin is so huge because the, the world is trying to redefine what, you know, we have a tolerance. And, and so even a lot of churches, I know not this church, uh, moves over to a motivational encouragement type of gospel. Hey, just, just God, God is really here to just fix our problems, to make us better people. But Paul writes and he says, God took me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was dead and now I'm alive. That is the greatest gift that you and I can ever have. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses, and now I'm alive. It's, there's no in, in between. Somebody that was dead and has become alive, it's not like he changed the day, you know, he tried, tried to be a better person. And so, so the issue of sin is, is so clear here, and that's, that's what John sees. John says, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Whoa, behold. You know, David um, prayed it. He says, Lord, unite my heart. Say this, unite my heart so that I can fear your name. What, what does that mean? He says, Lord, take away all the distractions so that I can fear you, so that I can see who you really are. So, so we, we, we see a lot of people even talking about love today. But if you really want to know the love of God, you have to know the fear of God. You know, otherwise, it's just a tolerance gospel because a tolerance gospel is about the fear of man, pleasing man. And it's so easy to, to build church or our lives even around that, the, the fear of man. What, what, a, what pleases man? 
Well, I loved what your pastor prayed this morning. Lord, what pleases you? Wow. If we live our lives like that, then we'll be able to really see. And this is what John says, behold the Lamb of God. <laughs> but when, you, when, you be, when we begin to see God as the Lamb that was slain, we need to know that there's going to be challenges. Because a couple of chapters later, and we're not going to go into that, John is in the prison. <laughs> and his expectation has probably been like, hey, he's going to go with Jesus. And he sits in the prison and he tells his own disciples, you know, is, is Jesus really true? He actually gets offended with Jesus. And by the time the disciples come to, to Jesus, he says, well, there's no greater than John the Baptist. Because John literally had to die so that Jesus could live. Are you, are you with me this morning? So, so we can't have life if there's not death. That's how the kingdom works. And, and it is so exciting when, when you go to... Other, other nations. Now, I, I used to stutter, like I said, and that means that when you're in a conversation, it's very difficult to be in the conversation because somebody would be talking, and then when you want to speak, by the time you speak, the conversation has already moved on <laughs> because you, you're thinking of what are you going to say next and how you're going to say it. So the conversation goes so quickly. So it's very difficult. And I remember when I got saved, the Lord says, hey, you're going to preach in front of other people. I just laughed. I just, I just laughed. I just said, crazy. That, that can't be, you know. Um, and he, he said something specifically that you're going you're gonna to go to many nations and preach in other nations. Yo, what a, what a challenge it was for me at that stage to actually receive God's word and to start to believe that. You know, and I've had the privilege to be in more than 60 different nations seeing what God is doing. But especially when you go to the Middle East, the amazing thing is the revelation is so different because the cost is so high. You know, we've been, we were in Iran a couple of years ago, and I remember meeting up with this group of people. Now, we were like in this house for a couple of days, so we didn't go out. Every, the shutters were closed. There was a lady that, that we baptized there. She fasted for 21 days to, be, to get baptized uh, when we baptized her in the bathtub. But so, speaking to this specific leader, um, their pastor was jailed about three, three months before we got there. And so, I'll never forget it. I said to the lady, sure, but you must obviously be tense because your pastor is, um, you know, he's in jail and he's probably going to be there for a lot of years or he's probably going to die. And she said um, the following. She said, no, we've been praying because our pastor has been preaching a false grace message from the West. And the Lord needs to purify him a little bit. <laughs> My first reaction is, please, lady, don't pray for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I want to I go home. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, um, but I've got, a, I've got a wife, Louise. She's sitting in front here. Um, she was in the military. So she always just prays, Lord, let him come back alive. But I don't know with all of his limbs, but at least let him bring him back alive. You know? And... Um, the, the crazy thing is, if you, if you meet parts of the church, which is a great part of the church, persecution is part of their life. But if you talk to them about what is your revelation of Jesus, most people had a first-hand encounter in a vision or a dream. And they will always talk about the man with the white robe that has fire in his eyes. The man with a white robe that has fire in his eyes. 
My question this morning, have you seen, when last did you look into his eyes? When last did you behold? Because we can be busy with so many things. We can be busy with church. We can be busy with so, so many things. But if you, if you look at him, there's nothing else that will satisfy you. If you look at him, if you see, but it's, it's going to take something because when you look at this part of God, he's, he's, he's shown as the, the lamb that was slain, the lamb that takes away. There's a sacrifice. There's, a, there's, there's something that is actually so beautiful but so ugly. And, and a lot of people, if we go to more a motivational thing and we just want to have a feel-good gospel, then what's going to happen then sometimes we're going to suffer, but we're going to run away from that suffering. We'll say, Lord, take away that stuff. But yet in that suffering, that's where you get to know God. I'm, I'm not talking about sickness and things like that, because some people say, no, the Lord just wanted to make me sick, you know, to teach me stuff. Now, God is a good God, I mean. But sometimes we're going to go through stuff that we don't understand, and it's in those moments when we have to embrace the Lamb of God. Are you with me? Okay, that's just the introduction, so hold on to your horses. Okay, so in Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, wounded, bruised. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was wounded. He was chastised. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. That picture of a lamb is an innocent one, the perfect one, the one who's without sin. Behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Behold. You know, and we, we struggle. We struggle in these days, to be present with God, we struggle to be present with each other. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been in a conversation, the person is talking to you, but they're always like checking who's walking by, who's going by, and then they take out their phone, and they're like, ah, oh, selfie, you know, and then you go like, let's have this moment, you think like, hey, I'm here, you know. Now, I, I've got a friend, Helmut, and he lives in Cape Town, and one day we were in this conversation, and then the next moment he just said to me, switch off the cell phone. Because that guy phoning you is now in, intriguing and coming into our conversation, and you're giving him more respect than what you give me. And I thought like, whoa, you know. We're so busy. We're so busy. We're so distracted. And that means that sometimes when God comes to move past, we miss him. But John had this moment right. He says, behold the lamb. He says, the one who's preferred before me and who was before me, he recognizes the moment. It's a holy moment. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment where he says, I'm not worthy to even loosen your sandal straps. I'm not worthy to, to do. And then Jesus says, well, I need to get baptized so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. Behold the lamb that was slain. It's a symbol of innocence, of brokenness. Listen to this in Revelations 5. I'm going to read 14 verses, so you have to like really focus. Are you all, all still right? Okay, cool. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written, written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able, able to open the scroll or even look at it. So I wept much. 
because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll to look at it. Imagine a crisis in heaven. The angel shouts and John, John looks at it and says, whoa, no one is worthy. There's no one worthy. No one, no man. No one can open up the scroll. But one of the elders said to him, to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, it's amazing how this word behold comes. Eh? Look and behold. It's, to look is just to quickly look, but to behold is to be completely aware, to intently be focused on. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, with all, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a hop and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people. And nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands, and thousands, and thousands, and probably more thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor. And glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are on the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Wow, what, what words are we going to sing? But it's amazing. You can almost miss the scripture. And I'm not going to go to the, all the different you know, interpretations of that, but the angel jumps up and the angel says, there's only one. And he talks about the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He says, there's only one who's overcome. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's what the angel sees. But the moment when he looks, he doesn't see the lion. He sees the lamb. Have you seen that? He doesn't, he doesn't, because why didn't they, a lion appear? But a lamb appear, because that's how we worship Jesus, the sacrifice, the life. To be able to see the lion, you have to embrace the lamb. To be able to see the lion and to overcome, you have to make peace with the lamb. You have to know that that's the place of, of complete forgiveness. That's the place of sacrifice. That's the place where you and I bring our pain to God. That's the place of surrender. That's the place of brokenness. That's the place of forgiveness. That's the place of, of life. Now, I have to tell you the story. When we were in Pakistan, there was um, Karachi is a big city. And in the week that we were there, only 22 bombs went off in Karachi. So, so the pastor said it was quite a quiet week, you know. We were just like praying all the time. But but it's, it's amazing when you're in a situation like that where you have near-death experiences for a week or 10 days. You don't talk, talk, a much, talk too much about pretending or being hypocritical. You don't need to go on a forgiveness course. 
from when you wake up till you go to sleep, you make sure there's nothing in your heart. You just repent all the time. You just forgive. <laughs> you just release people. You have, you know, you just make sure that if you, that next bomb, because when we walked out of the airport, the pastor said, oh, you know, this morning a bomb went off, but don't worry, it was, it was quite far from where we stay. I said, oh, okay, how far? He said, about 800 meters, you know, and I thought like, wow, sharp, sharp, you know, but um, one morning the pastor was late for three hours, and then he said, well, the previous night he had... Um, he had a bit of a conversation and conflict with another pastor in, in the city. And then that morning, he drove all the way to the other side of Karachi to go and make right. Because he couldn't worship God if, there was, if he knew somebody else had something against him. And, and see, when, when, when you're faced with life, something, something happens. When, you, when you're before God, what begins to happen is you get a soft heart, but then it also begins to manifest in the relationships we have. Don't say we love God, but we don't love our neighbor. I mean, and, and so here's this beautiful picture of, of especially there in, in the church, <clears throat> that when you, when you know what real life is, it's eternal life. That's what we focus on. We're just passing through. I mean, this is not your home. This is not your home. Stellenbosch is not your home. South Africa is not your home. We're passing through. There's a home in heaven. That's our home. And when you and I begin to live in that space, we're not rooted here. We're rooted. And we have a hope. We have a joy that is much more than just trying to fix our lives here. I'm not, you know, I'm also an accountant. I, I studied BAC and all that stuff. Manage your life well. But don't stay here. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Behold the Lamb. Let me give you two more scriptures and then we're gonna we're gonna pray. So first Peter one verse eighteen to nineteen says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, worldly things that just fade away like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, when you and I begin to live in that space, then there's some stuff that begins to change. We realize what is valuable against what is worth. What is worth? Only Jesus' blood brings worth into our lives. We don't live by fear. We live by faith. We don't live by shame, but by honor. There's no unforgiveness. We live by true forgiveness. No rejection, but acceptance. Success, that will pass away, but only significance. And are we living by the earthly or the eternal? You know, there's, there's so many scriptures, and I'm not big into revelations because I just have an imagination. So I begin to think seven eyes. Where were the seven eyes? And how does that figure? You know, it's like, but um, the crazy thing, if you go to Revelation chapter 19, then it says, hey, blessed is he who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed is he who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what you live for. That's what I live for, is that moment with God. That moment when all of this life will play out for that. And sometimes we forget because we get so busy, I mean. Sometimes we, we are so distracted. Sometimes we are so moved by things or we're so in, trapped in fear. But you know, even if we look at this university, 
They say 65% of students at this university has to live, live by some sort of type of medication just to cope. Through their exams, through stuff because of the pressure. No, no I'm, not, I'm not judging people. But if you go to Europe where God isn't like really on the agenda anymore, so many people cannot cope. They have to live by stuff from the outside to determine who they are inside. And so the invitation this morning for you and I is, is that, that challenge, that, that place where it's you and God. When you go to bed at night, do you, do you sleep well? Are, are you in a space where you can really behold? Are you in a place with God because He's inviting us to that place? I mean, that's what the blood of Jesus does. We can have boldness only through the blood of Jesus and only because of his justification. And, um, you know, the other day I was talking to a pastor that we connect with in Afghanistan, and he, he told me this story, which was, was quite a challenge for me. He says there, when you do training for the people, you'll do it in darkness. So you have about 12 people in a cave somewhere or under the underground somewhere, and you won't be able to see the people that you minister to because of the darkness and because of just if somebody catches you, then you won't be able to identify other guys or, or ladies because they will probably die. And he says, while they're there for nine days just sitting in darkness and sharing the word, so obviously now you can't come with your fancy program. Everything you know, it must be the word of God, <laughs> that which you have memorized, he says, when he sits there in, the, in that cave, the amazing thing is now he begins to talk to the one guy. The guy says he's Luke. The other guy says he's John. The other guy says he's Ephesians. And so he thought like, okay, this is weird, you know. <laughs> but then he realized because they've memorized the whole books, the whole book of Ephesians from verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 6, verse 24. I don't know how, how far chapter 6 goes. And they can actually memorize it word for word because the word has become flesh. They've they live the word. But he tells the story of how they're sitting in that cave. So now they're praying for the, the guys to get filled with the Holy Spirit because the teaching was on the Holy Spirit. And so when they got to the last guy, the guy's face began to shine. So for the next three hours, the whole cave was lit up because of the guy that got filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Moses. Have you read it in the Bible? Yeah. His face shone. And all he said is, I've I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And I, and I think for, for all of us, because we live in a dualistic society, meaning I've got a spiritual life and I've got a natural life. When I go to work tomorrow morning, then I'm not going to be spiritual. When I study tomorrow morning, I'm not going to be spiritual. But when I come to church, then I'm going to be spiritual. But that's not what God has called us. He's called us to live in a lifestyle of beholding Him. And sometimes just looking at that, that, that space around you, that workspace around you, and say, God, I want, I want to see you move here. I want, I want, you know, I don't want to pray and say, Lord, oh, please be with me. I realize God is already with me. I mean, I mean, when you say, I mean, you agree. Okay, you say, I agree. Okay, so some people are agreeing over here, but that's just because I told them they must agree. That's the show for people sitting over here. Okay, brother. So my, my question to you, and maybe, maybe just one, one last thing to be practical, and then we're going to pray, because out of Revelations, it says there's a bride that makes herself ready. There's a bride that makes herself ready. 
What is our response? Worship becomes a lifestyle. It's who we are, not what we do. Wow, I enjoyed your worship so much. Just the freedom. There's such freedom in this church, which is amazing. But remember, worship is not a song we sing. It's who we are before God. It's not to have a nice rhythm. And um, can I tell one more story? Who wants to hear one more story? Okay. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so we're going to be here for a long time, okay? <clears throat> I remember going to Ireland with, with um, Angus uh, Bucken, and I was sort of the driver. So there was this old Land Rover we drove with. So you need a lot of faith. Sorry, Land Rover people. You need a lot of faith to, to get from point A to B, okay? So this was quite an old Land Rover, and there was a, there was a sort of a mighty men's conference, about 4,000 men on, on this farm in, in Ireland and then in Worcestershire in England. England. So it was a, a bunch of tough guys. Whoa, you know, everybody sat like this. And they, that's a pre preacher's nightmare if you walk into the place and everybody's sitting like this. You realize like, oh, there's going to be a lot of judgment here, you know, <laughs> a lot of critical stuff. But I remember in the halfway through the sermon, and um, Angus spoke about humility, humility. Um, there was a disabled boy um, that jumped up in the middle of the sermon, and he said, Angus, Angus, why is your DVD so expensive? And I thought, like, this is the worst moment ever, yeah? <laughs> and, um, and now everybody was like, ooh, what's going to happen now? And Angus just stopped, he went down, and he called this boy to the front, and they went to sit, sit on the stairs in front. And he just put his arm around him, and he said, you know what, God has got time for you. And, and as he was doing that, an old man from the back came walking down, and he just started to weep uncontrollably, uncontrollably. And just like, you know, not like most men try to hide their, their crying and they sort of like, oh, the hay fever stings today or stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Especially in Stellenbosch, you know, we try to hide it so well. But, um, but this guy was weeping like a baby and he came to the front, knelt down, and then one after the other guy, they just came and they just broke before God. And Angus was just holding his, his arm, he was talking about humility. So, so I took his Bible, I went out drove the Land Rover to the back, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, okay, because now the service has gone on for three hours, and people just weeping, he didn't even finish half of the sermon, so I opened up this Bible, and this was probably one of the most profound moments, because now I'm thinking, I want to see the outline of the rest of the sermon, I want to I sort of like, just check what, he's gonna, what he would have preached, you know, so I open up, and there's three papers stapled together, and on the first one, there's one sentence, and Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. And I sat there and I turned it over and there was nothing. And I thought like, you, I come from Stellenbosch. You must at least have an outline, you know. You must have at least like try to get people intellectually connected, you know, with God. And I closed the Bible, and as I was sitting there, Angus got into the Land Rover next to me, and he said these words. He says, Sias, it's not what you preach that will change them, but who you are. And we're not saying don't preach Scripture, okay? <laughs> but it comes from who you are. Because who you are is just who you behold. You don't, can't know who you are unless you've 
been before Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold. There, there could have been so many other statements at the introduction of Jesus by John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb that was slain. We're going to worship Him for all of eternity. Not as the lion, but as the Lamb. And there's a lot of us that sometimes we don't want to be real with God because we're so afraid He will reject us when, we see, when He sees the real us. But God is attracted to your brokenness. God is attracted to the stuff you struggle with because He's made provision for your sins. And you have to come and surrender it. That's why I said that at the end there's, what is our response? Not a 10%, not a 50% but a wholehearted surrender. God talks about having a circumcised heart where God has all of you because you can trust Him. Because once you've seen that lamb, you realize you were supposed to be there. You were supposed to hang there. It's so simple, but it's so profound. And I'm going to ask us this, this morning to, to just consider where are you with the Lord this morning? Or are you so distracted? Maybe you are here and you don't know Jesus. Wow, what an opportunity for you to surrender. But maybe you're here and you are so busy, so doing good stuff for him. And he says, come, I want to show myself to you. Behold the lamb. And then he transforms us. He sanctifies us. We live a life pleasing to Him, but it's only in that surrender when you bring the real stuff to Him. Not the pretense, not the hypocritical stuff. It's only two people that God resists in the Bible. Do you know that? It's those who are proud and those who are full of hypocrisy. The word hypocrite is actually in word, the word actor. Same word. You're living one life privately, but another life publicly. You're an actor. You're putting on a show. There's only two types of people God really resists in the Bible. is the proud and the hypocritical. Because He cannot change your heart when you give Him the outward and not the inward. So I was, when I was praying for this morning, I felt that the Lord especially wants to heal people here that are struggling to sleep. Some people that, you don't need to give details or any stuff, but we, we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to ask your pastor to do that. But that he will heal you in the deep part, and especially if you're also you're struggling with depression and anxiety and heaviness and oppression. Then he wants to heal you. He wants to make your yoke easy and your burden light. He wants you to see. And then there's some people here that are so distracted you can't, you can't focus. And you'll see it when you pray, when you read the Bible. It's so difficult for you to really be with God and be with people. And the Lord needs to hear us from that. That's why I sent the Holy Spirit, our helper, our paracletos. So I'm going to ask us to stand and then I'm going to pray a prayer with us this morning.
and then I'm going to give over to your pastor so that he can correct all my doctrine. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to ask you maybe to start with, with those specific people that if you're here, and this is not to shame because God is not into the shaming business, I mean. He's into the restoration business. And I love what that word restoration means. It means he wants to make you better than the original that he's even planned for your life. He wants to make you stronger so that your life, even in that area, where you feel so broken, that area that you don't want to surrender to him, that's the area he wants to use you in. So that you won't steal the glory. And he's so aware of what you are going through, what I'm going through. He's so aware of our struggles, of the challenges we face. There's some of you standing in front of massive mountains. And you don't even have the strength to speak to that mountain. I want to pray for people specifically here to start with. Just if you're here and you're struggling to sleep, there's just like storms in your life. I'm going to ask you to come to the front so that we can pray with you and your leaders can pray with you. If you're struggling to sleep, I want you to come and stand here on my left-hand side. If you felt there's a lady here that for nine months, the last past nine months, you've been through intense turmoil, just sleeping at night. And all we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to pray for you. We're going to just ask the Lord to come in and be the Prince of Peace in your life. That you'll calm the storms, those thoughts, those confusions, the stuff that comes out. We're going to pray that the Lord will say, hey, peace be still. That's what he said to the storm. I just felt the Lord invite you not to look at yourself this morning. Don't, don't think of what you're bringing Him. The Holy Spirit is going to help you to look at Him. It's supernatural because we can't do it in ourselves. We do all over the place, but we ask this morning, Lord, that you will unite our hearts so that we can fear your name. We pray this morning that you will heal and that you'll touch and that you'll deliver. And that you'll bring your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we stand against the spirit of confusion. Lord, we stand against anxiety, Lord. As the body of Christ, Lord, as Josh Jenya, Lord, we come to pray right now and release your peace. We say to every storm, be still. Lord, release that peace 
it surpasses our understanding because you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, we're speaking to speaking sleeping habits, Lord, and and even today, Lord, ask that you will put words in our mouth, Lord. There's some people here that's been speaking death. They've committed their mouths, Lord, and therefore their thoughts have changed in just believing. But give us faith to behold the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, that we can add nothing to what you have already done on the cross. It's finished. It is finished. This morning we pray for the finished work of Christ to manifest right here into sleeping habits, into thinking habits, into thoughts. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. And we thank you this morning for your healing and your restoration power. I want to especially pray for that lady that's been struggling for nine months. I don't know where you are. Maybe you can just show us because there's been an assignment, a demonic assignment on your life. Maybe if you just, I don't know where you are. But Father, right now we release your peace. We release your peace, Lord, in Jesus' name. May the rest of us just, let's just stretch out our hands and just pray right now for them. Father, we thank you. As the Bible says, if one suffers, all of us suffer. Lord, we stand against depression and heaviness. Lord, that wet blanket that is over some people, we pray for a lifting of that heaviness this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a freedom. Thank you for a freedom. Thank you for a freedom in our lives. If the facilitators, if you guys can just pray. One, one more group that I want to just pray for. And I don't know how we're going to do that, Pastor, but if you are here and you, you are... You don't know Jesus, but especially if you are here this morning and, and you just cannot worship Him. I got a picture of people that you come to the door to worship Jesus and He invites you in, but you have no clue. Every time when you get to the door, you run away. You know all the right things, but if, when people talk about intimacy, you struggle so much because you just like think, what is that? But the Lord is inviting you to come and behold and if, if you need prayer for that specifically, I'm going to ask you to come right to the front and maybe just stand right here in the front. And all we're going to do is we're going to just pray over you and say, Lord, we pray for a uniting of hearts to fear your name. So if you've, you, you know that the Lord is speaking to you about that specific place, you're the one that comes to the door, but then you just run a mile. You haven't been into the throne room for a while. Then the Lord says, just come. He's inviting you. And that brings such a freedom in our lives.